1: event podcast. And now your hosts, Ben Folks and Chad Dundas. That's right. You're listening to another episode of the Co Main Event Mixed Martial Arts podcast. I'm Chad Dundas. That's Ben Folks. We're both longtime MMA journalists and for the last 10 years, we've been meeting here every week to break down all the action. In the wild weird and occasionally wonderful world of mixed martial arts Ben it was a little bit of a weird MMA weekend there was no UFC this weekend but you did have one championship make its debut over there on Prime Video with its event one on Prime Video one yeah Marais versus Johnson two
0: <laughs> okay we did we not run this by anybody
1: I mean, the it's, title a, of it. it's the same thing we were, we've were we been doing with the UFC, right, for Except, a long period of time. They kind of cleaned it up here at the, in the end, but we were doing, you know, UFC on ESPN 43 and a half or whatever True. for a long time. It makes and, it a little, it trips you up a little bit more if the name of your organization is also a number.
0: See, that's where I was going to go. Yeah. Is that at least when the UFC was doing it, and the UFC still hasn't cleaned up that problem entirely to the point that every single fight night event is like... UFC Fight Night 42, UFC on ESPN Plus 29, and UFC Las Vegas 30. Like They got three different names for each one. But at least, at least the UFC was not trying to add a numbering scheme to an organization whose name is itself a number. Yeah. That's just, that's the added level of confusion that I just could not abide. I was like, we got to come up with something else, guys. Come on. How about... UFC on Prime Video A. Yeah. Uh
1: you know what we got coming up on September 30th though.
0: <laughs> okay, tell me.
1: 1 on Prime Video 2, Zhang versus Lee.
0: 3. Oh, come you're just fucking with me now. No. Yeah.
1: No, it's like uh it's like some shit you would use to teach preschoolers how to count.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Big big hit with Sesame Street's The Count, I hear. Really into this new one series.
1: So we are going to talk this week about the impact, potential impact, I guess you could say, of one championship landing on Prime Video. There was some BKFC stuff that we will talk about, mostly in listener mail. Of course, the UFC is on its way to Paris, France this coming weekend to test the heavyweight prophecy uh, where Tai Tuivasa will fight Cyril Gaon. And, uh, you know, Mighty Mouse picked up a big win over there at one championship on Prime Video. Demetrius Johnson kind of seems like he could be back in more ways than one. So we will discuss that also. So it's you, despite the fact there was no UFC over the weekend, it's going to be a, a hot and heavy episode of the Co-Main Event Podcast or a bevy of topics to get to. Is there anything you wanted to to get off your chest before we get into it?
0: Well, you know, the only thing I wanted to say is that I enjoyed being able to go over to Amazon Prime Video, watch me some some MMA. There was a part where I went, I had like a moment of reflection where I went, what if you'd told me in 2004 when I was struggling to find an update on a Pride event via a share dog forum? Yeah. When I was waiting for Chad Dundas to come over with the uh, pirated DVD of Vanderlei Silva versus Mark Hunt. When I was going down to the press box to watch one of the, like, six UFC pay-per-views that existed for the entire calendar year. What if you had told me that one day, just be turning on this streaming system owned by one of the biggest companies in the world? Oh, and there you go. Some MMA from goddamn Singapore, and it's extremely high level. It would yeah. blow my mind.
1: While you were waiting for your Netflix DVDs to come in the mail. <laughs> if I told you that one day we would just be streaming this shit on our televisions. Uh, on a a streamer owned by the one of the richest men in the world,
0: who just recreationally goes to space. See, it just the more I describe our current reality, the stranger it sounds. It does
1: sound like we're living in the future. Uh, we're going to get into all of that. Remember that you're listening to the Co Main Event Podcast proper. Don't go out to fo- Don't forget to go out and follow us on Instagram over at CME. If you nasty and or like us on Facebook at facebook.com/co main event. Reminder that this show drops every Monday afternoon for free in your timelines and your podcast libraries, but if you think we're having fun right now, you absolutely need to check out what's going on over at patreon.com/co main event. Ben Folks and I are party rocking over there with three additional podcasts every single week. You can check out the Wednesday live chat Hashtag wild on Wednesday for just one dollar a month. Over there, we spend a full hour answering questions from be- the beloved patrons of the CME. For a couple more dollars, you can get access to the Friday Power Hour podcast. That's an additional hour of curated MMA talk. It features the dreaded but amazingly named co-main event podcast Patreon Power Hour Power Rankings. And of course, if you want to go whole hog, become one of the top tier patrons of the Comain event, you can also get access to the Thursday. Doing the damn thing podcast. That's an hour where we talk about stuff that is not related to MMA, but we think like we think might be of interest to our audience. There's a lot of other stuff, frankly, going on yeah. over there at the Coming Event Podcast Patreon. You get access to our official Discord message board where the discourse, by the way, always happening. It's always ongoing over there. There's you never me- a
0: time when it's not happening. And also, once you're on the on the Discord, that plugs you into other things, such as the newly minted CME fantasy football league that we just held our draft for yesterday. Couldn't help but notice that uh, seemed like maybe you let the auto draft do the work for you. I could not you couldn't be bothered to get in there, roll up your sleeves and handle the draft personally. That's I true. Think it's going to come back to haunt you.
1: I did auto draft. And also I am fully confident that the auto draft would have done a better job than I would have done actually showing up with my not paying attention to the NFL ass uh, and would have been like, uh, I don't know, is is uh is Matt Hasselbeck still good? Can I draft him?
0: <laughs> well, I'm excited for my first my, my team's first game coming up this weekend where we take on uh, a team by the name of Stipe Tapped Alistair Felt it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a true community over there at patreon.com slash co-main event. Go join the team. Get in on the fun. A lot of fun happening over there at Patreon.com. We have music this week from our guy, uh, Stockholm-based producer Semio, aka Co Main Event Podcast listener Alfred Larson. If you like what you hear from him on the show, you can check out more over at SoundCloud.com/semio. That's S-E-E-M-I-O in Semio. Three rounds as usual this week in the Co Main Event Podcast. In round number one, one championship has arrived on Prime Video. Can a promotion and a streamer that both kind of seem like afterthoughts in their own worlds partner up to make some noise? We'll discuss. And in round number two, he had some trouble early, but at 36 years old, Mighty Mouse can still do Mighty Mouse things. How much does he have left? And could we possibly work a trade for Triple C at all? And in round number three, the UFC touches down in France where my 2022 heavyweight prophecy will be on the line as the chosen one. Tai Tuivasa takes on some dude named Cyril Gone. All that plus are you fucking kidding me and just saying stuff. But first, like we always do about this time, let's do it a little bit of listener mail.
0: Listener mail.
1: This week's listener mail is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Ben, with no UFC last weekend, you and I actually got a little wild. We stepped outside the comfort zone, and we bet on some sports that were not MMA. I won some money betting on the Formula One Belgian Grand Prix. You won some money betting on minor league baseball, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Correct. The true heads know that... Minor league baseball is where it's at. Only the casuals bet on major league baseball. Shout out to the Memphis Redbirds for bringing it home for me. I appreciate that.
1: For most people, the main event is about to kick off. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill on DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up to seven and you win. You bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Ben, tell them how it works.
0: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code CoMainEvent. it's all one word, to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code CoMainEvent only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for details.
1: First question this week comes to us from Deranged Daryl, who writes, Do you guys continue to follow the stuff Chael Sonnen says now that he's just a commentator and mostly sits at home at Bad Guy Incorporated, incorporated, hashtag just saying stuff? I was curious to get your take on Uncle Chael's recent pleas for Luke Luke Rockhold to keep fighting. Discourse. And then uh, Deranged Daryl has been nice enough to include the quote here. I'm crazy about Luke right now, says Chael Sonnen. I think you guys are too, but Luke is now in a position where he's unhappy with Dana White. If Luke called the UFC today, they'd put him back in the USADA pool. They'd book him a match. If Luke called Dana and said, hey, listen, could you give me a release? I started with Scott Coker and I'd like to go back over there. Dana would do it, truly, out of respect to Luke. Now, a couple different things to unpack in that quote. But let's start with this. We talked about this in the wake of Luke Rockhold's unanimous decision loss to Paulo Costa a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it did kind of seem like the version of Luke Rockhold who showed up on fight week and then during the fight maybe made some fans, made some new fans. Even though uh, you know he probably didn't physically put on his best performance of his career, I think the way that he comported himself in general that whole week, uh, it was kind of interesting it was more interesting than what we see from a lot of guys and frankly more interesting than what we'd seen from from Luke Rockhold right now and you know what i will say this when luke rockhold came out after the fight and said prime me if i was in my prime i would hand paulo costa his ass i don't know that i disagree with that i don't know if i don't i don't know if i don't believe him i think i might believe him
0: yeah but he's not in his prime and time as far as we are capable of perceiving it only moves in one direction. So I understand what the sentiment here and I understand I guess what Chelsone is saying. I mean it is interesting that Chelsone is continuing to just say stuff from home at Bad Guy Incorporated. Uh He's and- got a
1: nice setup too.
0: Yeah and he is firmly embraced. He knows that he is in the just saying stuff business yeah. at this point. Yeah, and he's so got that's... like the
1: wall of lights behind him that say bad guy ink and so he always looks and sounds good. It's a, he's got a real nice setup I assume in the uh in the spare bedroom there
0: at home. Also though you know because of this particular brand of just saying stuff that he I, I'm Pretty sure is deciding what to say based on what's going to foster audience engagement and not on what do I absolutely 100% believe. Yeah, I think that that's more his guideline. He's just trying to say some 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 stuff that's going to get some attention, and he's pretty good at doing that. And I understand what he, what he's saying here and what a lot of other people said, where they were kind of like looking around, going, "Where was this guy all the time that we were hating on Luke Rockhold?" This version seems way easier to like, but it's he. It's of a piece with him being at that point in his career. Like, he got to this point through, I guess, hard-won wisdom inside the fight game. But then when you get there, it's not like people be like, Hey, we decided we like you more. Do you want to keep fighting? And him being like, well, the reason I was going to stop fighting is not because I didn't feel like you guys liked me enough. It's because I felt like I'm fucking old in his words, and my body isn't really up to it anymore. Now, we've seen a lot of people feel that way in the immediate aftermath of a hard fight and then give it two months at home and they start to feel better and they they change their minds about that. And honestly, I could see how Luke Rockhold might fare better outside the UFC, somewhere where the, the competition wouldn't be quite so stiff. and Somebody willing to trade on his name value but can get something out of it without having to put him in there against the Paulo Costas of the world. So like there there very well may be another Luke Rockhold fight somewhere out there. What do you think, do you believe this part though of where Chael Sonnen says that if Luke Rockhold called up Dana White and was like, hey, I'd like to go reunite with my buddy Scotty Cokes, that Dana White's response is, you know what? Out of respect to you, Luke, absolutely.
1: I would uh, give that a real solid maybe like we've seen the UFC do this in the past and and more and more frankly all the time releasing these kind of older fighters that cost them a little bit more than they want to pay where they look at the guy's careers and they think we've already gotten the best years out of this guy let's go ahead and cut him loose now I don't know whether or not Luke Rockhold would would be one of those guys I don't think Dana White would do it out of the goodness of his heart he might do it out of uh The feeling that maybe Luke Rockhold is, in his own words, fucking old and he could go make a lot of money somewhere else and and not really be a threat to the UFC. He might also just say no out of spite because we've seen the UFC be fairly vindictive over the years in terms of uh, how it acts to basically everyone. And uh, the fact that Luke Rockhold had a lot of uh, negative things to say, a lot of criticisms to put forth about the UFC pay structure and Dana White himself And, uh, you know, the, a lot of other things during fight week, I could see him just saying no, just because like, uh, you know, his mouth wrote some checks and they might not appreciate that.
0: Yeah. If he did say yes, I agree that it would not be out of respect to Luke, right? (laughs)
1: With <laughs> Luke Rockhold came back for one more fight and they were like, all right, we're actually not going to make him fight the number six ranked middleweight in the world in Paulo Costa, but we're going to give him someone a little bit further down the list. A uh, Kelvin Gastelum, perhaps a Brad Tavares type type person or uh, the number seven ranked fighter who I saw out there talking some shit, uh, Sean Strickland. What, what, I think Luke Rockhold might beat some of those guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he very well might. Uh, I think, though, that w- you mentioned Sean Strickland. It sounds like he might be on the shelf a little while because I saw via a series of social media updates him talk. First, it seemed like he was getting into a road rage incident. And then the next thing you know, he's like, and it may be un- unconnected or it may not be. He's like, so my finger is super infected because I punched some guy in the mouth and his tooth went into my finger. Uh, and then he has to go to the doctor and he's like, okay, I'm going to be out for a few weeks. And he was just like... Something about the tone of which you are recounting these events, Sean, makes it seem like it's not that unsurprising to you that all this happened.
1: (laughs) So you're saying he might not be available?
0: Might not be available anytime soon due to tooth infection-related troubles.
1: We'll take that under advisement. Uh, Next question this week comes to us from James Arthur Harris, who I believe is Kamala, the Ugandan giant, or was, uh, over there in the WWF. He writes, did y'all pay any attention to BKFC this weekend? If so, spend some time talking about those hands on John Dodson. My God, those hands. Those are in all caps. Those (laughs) hands are in all caps. I wanted to try to do some justice to how he wrote it there. Uh, John Dodson, still fast as fuck. And uh, I don't know. It seems like bare knuckle fighting
0: might be his wheelhouse at this point. I'm surprised. I don't know if I expected him to fall off with age at some point, but he is still tremendously quick. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, yeah, he might be right at home over there in Bare Knuckle. Also, though, how does Bare Knuckle, how do they have so many goddamn events? All of a sudden. It, they got—they had one last weekend. Uh, you know where they're going to be next weekend, don't you?
1: They're going to be here in the Treasure State, correct? They're
0: going to be in Great Falls. Yeah. Now, you and I need to decide right now. In front of God and everybody, are we making the road trip to Great Falls to just wile out at BKFC?
1: This is Labor Day weekend.
0: I believe it's it's September 10th. Oh, so that's two weeks from next now. weekend. Yeah, well,
1: let me check my calendar. Let me see what's up. And then, well, if it was Labor Day weekend, I was going to have to say I was out because I would not be available. I was going to recommend you take a uh, a photograph of me, a school picture perhaps, and stick it to the dashboard of your car, and that way, when you drive up there, you can continually touch it just with your fingertips and I'll be there with you in spirit. September 10th, that seems like maybe a possibility.
0: I'm just saying, I'm down. We roll in there with a full head of steam. Let's go. BKFC.
1: Cold Made Event Podcast, make a couple calls, maybe get some media passes to that event.
0: I feel like there was probably not a huge demand for media passes in Great Falls. Do
1: you want to be backstage at a BKFC event though, really, just to see the aftermath? I remember being backstage at a sport fight event in in, uh, Gresham, Oregon years ago, and kind of being aghast at the the trauma, let's say, the physical condition of many of the fighters as they came back through the curtain. And after they have had some time to sit around and let the adrenaline wear off and the swelling to really take effect, I can only imagine at BKFC it would be much worse.
0: Well, lest you forget, Chad, I covered the very first BKFC event in Cheyenne, Wyoming, in an ice rink over there uh, that was sitting idle during the summertime. And yes, indeed, there's a lot of people looking pretty carved up by the end of it and faces all lumped up in weird spots from the bare-fisted violence. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying, I I could be talked into this road trip. The CME could go out there and represent in Great Falls.
1: We'll take it under advisement. Uh, I'm going to lump this next question in from Bob because it is also about BKFC. He writes, I admit it, I briefly became interested in Christine Faria versus Taylor Starling after hearing you guys talk about Starling's OnlyFans last Friday. And then after seeing them go forehead to forehead during the official stare down. So I tracked down the video on one of those websites on the Internet where you can watch the fights for free. Have you heard of these? And (laughs) holy shit, it was one of the worst things I've seen in a long time. Turned my stomach. What do you have to say for yourselves now?
0: Well, hold on. Worst things you've ever seen. All right. I went and looked it up because uh, I did not see this fight, um, but I went and looked it up after we got this question just because I was like, okay, how bad could it be? It's it's weird. It's pretty it's bad. A, it, it's You can't be following this sport and that's the worst shit you've ever seen. We will see worse shit within a fortnight somewhere out there.
1: Have you ever seen a person essentially plead with their corner though to get them out of here to be like she she gets punched so they start out taylor taylor uh starling actually lands a couple of good shots in the early going of this thing and and then she thinks oh it's on and she starts she starts trying to go ham against christine feria and then feria whose name i don't know if i'm saying it correctly by the way uh comes back with a vengeance like uh much power more powerful much stronger punches taylor starling in the face a couple of really good times taylor starling collapses against the ropes kind of peeks out through the ropes at her corner or whoever i assume it was her corner and she's like i can't
0: yeah i can't She's do shaking this. her head no she and gets up yeah.
1: she does the she sla- does the throat slash thing to be like i'm done and somehow her corner is like nah you're not
0: well what go it seems back like out happens- there for some more it's it's big damn Miragliata as the ref in there, right? And he tells her like turn around uh and and she does, but and then he's doing the normal stuff of being like do you want to continue? Can you continue? Put your hands up, walk toward me, like all the the usual ref post knockdown kind of stuff. And she does not raise any objections then. It's, it's like as soon as she turns around and is not looking at her corner anymore, then she seems, at least for the moment, like she doesn't give any indication to him that she, that she wants out. Because there would be an opportunity there to say to him, like, no, I'm done. And he could wave it off. But instead, she's doing all the stuff. And then they start fighting again. And then she takes a good shot to the face and is like, and then that's when she turns around and is like, no, 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 I'm done. And then, and they call it off. I mean, it's weird. I'm not going to say then she that she stands whole thing, there
1: openly weeping. During the during the uh, fight announcement and BKFC uh, does a little interview with her in the cage after it's or in the ring after it's over. So super awkward all the way around. And you know what I think the most guttural and awkward part of it is, is that Taylor Starling reacts like a normal person getting into a fist fight with someone way tougher than them. And that is the thing that I think bothers us all the most. Because we see a little bit of ourselves out there in Taylor Summer or Taylor Starling getting punched really hard in the face by someone much tougher and better than fighting at you and just being like, nope, all done here. That's that's the part that gets me.
0: Yeah. You know, and I've heard this from fighters in other contexts where like if they suffered an injury or or if if something happened that took them out of the headspace they were trying to be in during the fight. And talking about how hard it is to get jarred out of that, to have that feeling of, nope, don't want to be here anymore. And then how if you were going to continue, you've got to get very suddenly back into that headspace and how hard that is to do. And that if you can't do it, like once you kind of have had the moment in your mind of being like, nope, I want out, that that's often just kind of it.
1: Yeah, it's got to be hard to flip the switch on and off again. Uh, Last question this week comes to us from Terry the Tomcat, who writes, Hey, guys, are most people sleeping on Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori? Also, I saw this morning Bobby Kay saying he might make the full-time move to light heavyweight, which to me seems like a terrible idea. What say you? This is the co-main man of uh, UFC Paris this weekend, Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori in a middleweight fight. Uh, Yeah, I haven't really heard any talk about it. Well, I haven't heard a ton of talk about UFC Paris, period. But all the talk that I have heard, it only being Monday, is about uh, the heavyweight main event tied to Ivasa against Cyril Gan. Uh This is one of those things where you look at the card and you're like, oh, shit, Robert Whitaker is on this thing. He's fighting Marvin Vittori. Damn, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Well, and as for the context of his comments about possibly going up to light heavyweight, if you actually listen to what he's saying there... He, he seems like he has, like he's not just making a a rash decision. Like he, he's thought about it pretty well, as we would expect from a reasonable, thoughtful guy like Bobby Knuckles. But he was just talking about like, yeah, I've been thinking about going up there. That maybe at this point it might be a more natural weight class for me. But that he doesn't want to go up and come back down. He said he doesn't want to go up as a fat light heavyweight. Uh, and also he was like, hey, I and mean, then I got to deal with the height difference, and I don't really know if I want to put up with that. He seemed like more annoyed by the thought of having to fight dudes who are all like 6'4 and shit, yeah. uh, and just being like, I don't know, man, that seems like it would kind of suck. Uh, but he did seem like he had the right perspective when you're thinking about that kind of a weight class change, because especially he keeps beating everybody else in at, at middleweight. He's he's clearly one of the best middleweights around, um, but then he's got to know that they're not giving you another shot at Israel out of Sanya anytime soon. If he still remains champion Uh, and you might as well try things out at a new weight class. And if you are going to change one better to go up than go down at that point in your life.
1: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to acknowledge Marvin Vittori publicly making a nod toward his mad Marv gimmick. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because we have called him mad marv for a while now just seeming to be angry all the time and who was it that he calls out? was it luke rockhold last week uh where marvin vittori sent a tweet that was basically like he's biting my gimmick by being mad all the time
0: yeah okay you sent this to me i think it was uh yeah it was it, i thought for at first it was paul acosta but he said uh here, here's this tweet uh Pretty little Costa made weight. Sensational. Interesting spelling of sensational, by the way. Also, I see Angry Rockhold taking a page out of my book, being all mad. I'm glad Poppy has been a good role model. May the best man win. <laughs> so, and he for a while was trying to act like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not a mad guy. I don't know. People just got the wrong idea of me. And now, though, he's like, okay, no, I guess after after some some time thinking it over, I can admit that yes, in fact, I am mad. I am often mad.
1: That's going to do it for listener mail this week. If you have a question, comment, or concern that you would like to air to the podcast in future weeks, you know how to do it. You go to the website co com and click the link in the top right-hand corner that says email the podcast. That'll get you in touch with us. As for right now though, we are going to go ahead and get started with round number 1. This week's Co-Main Event Podcast is brought to you in part by NordVPN. Ben, we've been using NordVPN here on the CME for quite some time now. You have it, I have it, we both use it all the time. I think NordVPN is a great way to keep my personal data secure while I'm out there surfing the World Wide Web. And, you know, when you're just tooling around, going from one Wi-Fi provider to another, NordVPN is easy to use. It keeps your information secure uh, you can use it on multiple devices. I, I think it's super handy. What's your favorite part about NordVPN?
0: Well, you know that I'd be tooling around a lot, going on a bunch of different Wi-Fi networks. That's and true. That,
1: you are a man about town.
0: That's right. And that's my favorite part as the way it just kicks in automatically. And how can you argue with the encryption powerhouse that is NordVPN?
1: Yeah, uh just like the cme patreon nordvpn has three handy tiers for its customers you can get the standard plan for your basic vpn needs you can get the plus plan if you need a little something extra and if you want to really go all the way with it if you want to go whole hog you can get the complete plan which takes care of your every vpn need you can enjoy the leading vpn service and malware blocker generate and store strong passwords and protect your files in an encrypted cloud. Uh for NordVPN users, CME listeners can grab their exclusive deals by going to NordVPN.com/slash comain and get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and four months for free. It's completely risk-free with NordVPN's 30-day money-back guarantee. Alright we did get a lot of emails about one championship, so I wanted to read this one from our guy Ryan Robinson over on Patreon to start off this conversation about uh, one's debut on prime video. He writes, I made a point to catch the one championship, one prime video one on Friday. And I have notes. Number one, I'm a really big fan of highish level MMA coming to me in great HD over a service. I already have reminds me of HD net fights back in the day. Number two, them some scary Thai dudes kicking people like it ain't no thing. I can watch these Muay Thai fights with MMA gloves. Those were some nasty finishes. Number three, Demetrius Johnson is one of the real greats in this sport. Number four, a lot of ads for some bullshit Stallone action thing uh, when watching live. For one championship, one prime video two, I will turn it on, pause it, and then skip the ads. Uh, so here we go. I just want to talk a little bit about one Championship now finally landing on Prime Video, which as Ryan Robinson points out is, is is exciting because it is a free, essentially free MMA on a service I already have. I don't have yeah. to go buy a new thing now to watch One Championship. It's right there on Prime Video, uh, which is already part of my streaming selections, which is probably the best part of it for me. But at the same time, as I was watching this thing over the weekend, I kind of realized that as a a hardcore MMA fan, I kind of feel desperate for competition in the marketplace. Like I kind of want there to be something in addition to Bellator and PFL and these uh, organizations that in some ways feel like they have reached their peak already, right? One championship... Uh, has been kind of an afterthought in the MMA world. And it's been doing a lot of stuff over in the Asian market, but hasn't totally broken through in America. They've done, you know, they had the bleacher report streaming thing, I think for a while, but now here they are on Amazon video where they could at least potentially kind of get a lot of American MMA viewers and I felt very content with that. As I was watching it, I was like, you know what? I'm glad this is here. I'm happy yeah. that this is a thing that I can watch that is not the UFC. It's a little bit different. And uh, I welcome it. And I will be pleased to watch it again on September 30th.
0: Yeah. I mean, we when we talked about it last week, I was saying one of the things that I f- it felt like was a novelty and a, a real change to me was, oh, an MMA organization that i already know is coming to a streaming service and as you said it's one that i already have it's not leveraging MMA fans willingness to sign up for absolutely any bullshit you can think of just to follow the sport around which is one of the things that the UFC has very successfully leveraged over the years whether it was going to versus whether it's going to you know a new streaming network in ESPN plus like we will follow it we will sign up for your thing it doesn't matter if you just created the thing yesterday we will sign up for it if that's what it takes for us to follow the fights And here, you take the the streaming service that I signed up for without ever even realizing it, uh, because Amazon is just sneaky like that, and you put it on that, okay, cool, I'll watch it. One thing that I'm going to be interested to see is how committed is Amazon to this? Because we've talked before, you put forth the theory that really this is Amazon testing the waters on MMA as a whole, to see if there's enough interest in this stuff to want to get into the... Bidding war once the UFC rights become available at the end of the ESPN deal. And so I was going to see like, are they, is this just something that we're throwing up there? And if you know about it, you can go find it. Or is Amazon going to be try, actively trying to direct people to it? Because when I went to find it on Friday, it felt like I had to kind of search around for it a little bit to even get to it. It wasn't necessarily splashed on the welcome page like Amazon is usually pretty good about anticipating what I might want to watch and putting on there. And then I noticed, you know, it's like, I've, watch other stuff on Amazon Prime streaming in the last, you know, week or two and I don't ever feel like I'm seeing ads trying to direct me or prepare me that one championship on Prime streaming one whatever is coming. Uh but they are leveraging the audience that and they have a pretty good idea I think of who that audience is because when I'm watching they keep trying to show me ads for the Reacher series and it's like yeah, no that is smart. The, the MMA crowd would appreciate the Reacher series that you have over there on Amazon Prime. But uh, what do you think? Do you get the sense that Amazon is really trying to to push one or that it's just sort of there and we're waiting to see who comes and finds it?
1: Yeah. Well, Prime Video is a little bit of a weird animal because, you know, they've got some popular shows over there, right? They got Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was a big hit for them. The boys, got the boys is a show that a lot of people watch. Bosch was a pretty big hit for... Amazon prime video. Uh, and I'm sure that they've got a couple other ones that I'm not thinking about, but at the same time, it doesn't, to me feel like Amazon prime video has made the splash that you might expect it to make in the streamer world. Like I feel like most people are still watching a lot of Netflix. I think a lot of people are watching like HBO max and who knows what will happen with that now that they've had the discovery, uh, merger And, uh, Hulu, you know, Hulu just had prey and has some other stuff on it that seems like it makes it a big deal for me. At least Amazon prime is a streamer where, as you said, Amazon kind of signed me up for it without asking me and made the correct bargain that I would not cancel it because I have not. Uh, but I, it's kind of an afterthought for me. And then when I go over there, I, I generally find some stuff that I, that I want to watch, but it hasn't really made the impact that I thought it might. And it's kind of a sleeping giant, right? Because in theory, Amazon has as much money as as it could possibly want. And if it decides that it wants to throw a lot of money at its streaming product, it absolutely can do that. And it has Thursday night football in the NFL and whether or not it will go all in on trying to get more football and more sports and whether or not it could be a suitor for the UFC when the UFC's broadcast tenure with ESPN is up remains to be seen. And I do kind of think this thing with one could be uh, prime kind of testing the waters for that. But it could be a, a huge player if it decides that it wants to be. And I think the only question is, like, where Jeff Bezos is going to want to spend his money. Does he want to go all the way in on, like, being the premier streaming service in the world? And if he does, a big part of that, I think, will be live sports. And that then you want to try to get the UFC. Then you want to try to get as much football as you can, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. I think you're probably right about that. I mean, as for the show itself, it, it felt like a well-produced show. Yeah. Uh, it felt like a, like a big-time event kind of thing. The only thing that I, – I guess I'm of two minds about how you should approach this if you're an MMA promoter who is not the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> so, because everybody who follows the sport pretty much has their – in their head, the UFC is at the top of the pyramid, and then it's everybody else fighting for a number two spot. And then you go on this Amazon Prime streaming show, and the commentary – really wanted me to believe that this was the best and the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Even at times. And to an extent that felt a little borderline ridiculous. Like at one point where we have a whole segment about the belt and all the work that goes into crafting this beautiful championship belt. And one of the commentators touted it as the heaviest belt in MMA, which come on, man, are we really in, are we going to reach that much? Are we in that desperate need of some shit to talk about that we have the most something something the heaviest belt, seriously, that's what we're doing. Like I understand that you they probably think like we can't go out there and be like we're, we're pretty good, we're we're you know we're all right, we're working on it. Like you don't want to do that, but at the same time also it feels like a real disconnect as an audience member when you're telling me how you're the best in the world at all this stuff and i'm like mm, i mean i know that not to be true and i know that you know it not to be true yeah so what are we doing Uh,
1: ordinarily i like to say that i want my b-list mma promoters to give me something different like i don't want them to appear to be a shittier version of the ufc it's one of the things that ksw does really really well make themselves look uh different feel different from the ufc have more wacky matchups and things like that. Uh, PFL obviously has the sort of season format. Um, Bellator, not so much anymore, I don't think, uh, has done a lot to distinguish itself. I kind of respect 1FC for going the exact opposite direction. And if anything, looking at what the UFC does, where the UFC takes everything super seriously and pretends like every week is like must-see TV. Like, you're a total casual if you're not tuning in this weekend to watch the fight night event where these two guys you maybe heard of once before are going to fight. 1FC saw that and was like, hold my beer because they go even they double down on that shit man they're like even way more serious than the ufc is and they're basically like one championship the home for all martial arts no other martial arts are happening anywhere at any time it's all about respect and honor and i'm just sort of like i kind of think it's annoying but i also kind of respect them for doing it just sort of like uh it's gonna be super straight face and serious all the time
0: yeah yeah Okay. I but guess you got, so.
1: I also think you got to give them a little bit of credit for, like, essentially bringing back a, some semblance of, like, the Pride production values that it sort of feels like that. Like, they had the big, like, cube shaped video screens up behind the stage. They brought everybody out on stage at the beginning of the thing. we were like, these are the people who are going to be fighting tonight. So they're doing some of that stuff, which I thought was reminiscent of Pride. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, they're over there just like, uh, hamming it up basically about how important and serious all this shit is.
0: Yeah. And don't get me started on the hydration tests. which I still don't understand.
1: <laughs> the other thing that they're doing that is a little different, I guess, is that we're mixing MMA fights with these Muay Thai fights where guys are wearing, uh, the four ounce MMA gloves. You had nothing but stoppages, by the way, on the, uh, main card of one prime video one, uh, and we'll talk about Demetrius Johnson's win coming up in round number two. But you have these, these Muay Thai fights that both ended in stoppages. The first one, and then see now, one championship is just messing with me, trying to get me to say all these guys' names. Uh, but the one that ended, I'm not I'm not going to bite on it, by the way. Uh, the one that <laughs> ended in spectacular head kick was amazing. And I kind of agree with, with Ryan Robinson. Like these Muay Thai fights with the small MMA gloves where they're just kind of uh, hitting and kicking each other so damn hard all the time. I'm kind of into it. I kind of dig it.
0: Yeah. Well, And they've shown a willingness that sometimes, hey, we might even mix up the rule sets within the same fight. Yeah. Who knows?
1: So I'm interested to see a little bit more of that. Uh, as the jujitsu correspondent of the co-main event podcast, I wanted to kick it to you to talk a little bit about Marcus Almeida, who went out there uh, during this event, and got a heel hook in a minute and four seconds against Kirill Grishenko, uh, and is 32 years old. He is something like a 17-time world Brazilian Jiu Jitsu champion, or something yeah. like that. He is Those now
0: Renato Laranja numbers right there.
1: He is now four and zero in MMA, three submissions and one TKO, all of them first round stoppages, all of them in one championship. Uh, This guy, from what I've seen, is very impressive and seems like he could make a noise on the world stage at heavyweight. Am I right or am I just falling into the marketing?
0: Uh, It's tough to say until until you get more data to work with because we have pretty uh, limited sample size. I mean, I think this was like his his fourth pro fight for for one. And uh, it's always a question at those bigger weight classes – who is out there as an available person for us to f- go get for you to fight? Because the quality of competition is going to end up mean a lot. But, I mean, as far as just what we know about him from his lengthy jiu-jitsu grappling experience, he's good. He And and a big guy who is also just a, a good all-around athlete and has that kind of uh, jiu game. He can be tough for a whole lot of people. I, I guess the question is, what do you do with him? do you, do you just we do we bring him a series of cans to crush do we try to find a, like a an opponent with a name who really means something and try to make a free agent signing that we can do something with i don't know but that boy good yeah. i tell you that much that yeah. boy good hard
1: to know exactly what to make of him but i will say this heel hook that he got was maybe the fastest heel hook I've ever seen just like shot a single and then immediately rolled to his back and like had heel hooked Kirill Grushenko before he even hit the ground. Like,
0: yeah, it was was very impressive. Who's some more Paul Harris in his prime kind of shit, except for, you know, letting it go within a reasonable amount of time.
1: So, uh, I'm interested to see more from one championship. Obviously, uh, some of the stuff that has come out of that organization in the past has been, uh, over the top in terms of the claims that they make. And I think a lot of people kind of view some of their stuff as, as hokey, but we'll see, we'll see what happens over here on, on prime video, because I'm, I'm interested to track it. And I also think that uh, the MMA space is better for it, for having more competition out there. All right, let's do, are you fucking kidding me, Ben? And then we will move on to round number two. What's your, are you fucking kidding me this week?
0: Well, did you see that our, our dude, Ariel Hawani, he had, Bellator's Danny Sabatello and Ray Fionn Stotts over there on the fortnight today. Had them in, in studio for a live interview with them together talking about their upcoming title fight. Uh, shit got a little little handsy at some point where uh, Danny Sabatello gets up out of his chair. We're going over there. And it's the camera stays pretty steady. So they move a little bit out of the frame. But it's the big homie. Ariel Helwani, who gets up, gets in between them, and stops the shit from getting out of hand, and does it in a way where he is just physically intervening and keeping them away from each other uh, as they're trying to put hands on one another, but also it seems by getting them to realize that this is ridiculous. And at one point, can <laughs> be heard saying something along the lines of, If this is gonna work, <laughs> like meaning this interview, like we can't do this. You know, this this will bring an end to the interview and the whole thing just can't happen. And then they both sort of snap into an understanding of it. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right, man. I'm sorry. We'll sit back down. And I, I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, these guys, they're, they're sort of following typical MMA stuff where we're going to talk shit to each other and get everybody excited for the fight, but then we're actually going to kind of get carried away, but then everybody knows we're not seriously going to fight, but neither one of us wants to be the one who backed down, and it's Errol Helwani, the voice of reason, who gets in there, physically separates them, and says, come now, lads. If this is going to work, we all have to behave ourselves. And And they then concede the inevitable logic of that statement. Are you fucking kidding me? Help. Meanwhile, I know that our, our guy Dave Scholler is sitting there looking at it and being like, "Well, shit, yeah, anybody can do it with the smaller weight classes." Yeah, <sighs> not like he had to get in between John Jones and Daniel Cormier. Jesus right. Christ! And there, there's a job of work for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ariel, Ariel Helwani, it. stern teacher, stern grade school teacher, keeping everybody in line. I love it. I love it. Uh, did you see uh, the the influencer KSI? Went out this weekend and and fought two guys in one night. Beat a yeah. uh, beat a fellow by the name of Swarms. Okay. S w a r m z Swarms. Yeah, see, I
0: was going to ask if there was a Z at the end. I felt had a feeling there was. Well, in
1: case you were wondering, it does say Swarms in huge letters across the uh, the waistband of his of his trunks. Naturally, so you would know. Uh, then he fought somebody named Luis Alcaraz Pineda and knocked him down seven times in the second KO of the night i'm looking at andreas hale's story over here on the sporting news are you fucking kidding me dude like we've been we've gone too far <laughs> you know how okay. all, all the whole time all these influencer guys have been getting into boxing we've been like we threatened this whole thing threatens to go too far we're there we've done it we've gone too far We fought two guys in one night. This is some shit you are supposed to say idly in interviews. I could fight both of you in one night, but then you don't actually do it. You don't fight two guys in one night. Are you fucking kidding me? We have gone too far. To quote the doomed child actress, Sarah Lee from uh, Bojack Horseman, that's too much, man. Are you fucking kidding me? Two guys in the same night?
0: That's too much. Diggs town ass plot line over here
1: sarah I'm lynn i'm me. sorry
0: uh that's
1: too much man don't make me don't make me look at jake paul and be like this is the classy influence yeah. boxer <laughs> he wouldn't stoop to this ksi versus swarms nonsense no i'm kidding me all right that's gonna do it for round number one we'll be right back with round number two
0: Well, Chad, I would like us to begin round two by reading this email from the Corky King, who writes, is there a more underappreciated fighter than Demetrius Johnson? His performance against Adriano Moraes, who looked to be about two weight classes bigger, was incredible. That was a fight in which he was arguably losing until he landed devastating flying knee. When Mighty Mouse does finally retire, what will be his legacy? And do you think he will ever get the appreciation that he is owed? Now, this one... It's true that when you finally get these two guys in the cage together, you go, oh, come on, man. Yeah. What what in the name of hydration test bullshit is going on here that these two guys are fighting at the same weight class? Because it looks like one of them is considerably bigger Marius looks like he's just towering over Johnson and seems like he's able to use that size pretty well early on. And then Demetrius Johnson going to do some just Mer- Demetrius Johnson shit to you where he lands that clean right hand, then follows him all the way back. And this is, I believe, I'm going to quote this from Demetrius Johnson's post-fight interview when he's talking us through the flying knee knockout as uh, Marais is uh, wobbling back into the fence. uh, uh, uh yeah. And that's Have how you it comes to flying knee knockout just
1: the t- t- slow motion video of this that Demetrius yes. Johnson posted on his uh Twitter because it's amazing. It looks it is. fake almost because of how like beautiful and technically pure it all is from the Demetrius Johnson point of view. Like ducks this winging kind of overhand punch, throws a lunging but perfect straight shot straight into Adriano Moraes' face and then at the The most impressive part of the slow motion video to me is that as Marais is stunned and stumbling backwards, you can see Demetrius Johnson hop forward several times in a way where in slow motion you see, oh, he's measuring him for the knee this whole yeah. time. And then he throws it and lands it and immediately is like, oh, that dude is knocked out and yeah. turns around and walk off high steps away.
0: It's, no, there's not a single wasted movement from him in that entire sequence and you can see him you're right because as he's stumbling back you can see him following and he's got his hands out and you're waiting for him to take some kind of clumsy follow up shot or something but he's not like he's staying patient He. it's like he is seeing a couple seconds into the future to know what's going to happen and then times that knee perfectly and you're right as soon as he lands it he turns off and, and he, he knows he knows yeah. that that one is over with I was thinking about what he said before the fight where You know, they were showing uh, how pleased with himself Marias was about winning that first fight and having this painting up of the moment or whatever. And then they cut to Demetrius Johnson, who's like, you know, all the motherfuckers I beat, I don't have any of their pictures on my walls. You know, act like you've been there before kind of thing. And then he comes in there and had some tough moments in this fight and, and still got it done in the end. And it did make me reflect, and I saw a lot of other people having the same kind of conversation publicly on social media. So this is what you traded away to get Ben Askren, if you're the UFC. And what you got out of Ben Askren, basically, was the brief rise and popularity of Jorge Masvidal. Like, I mean, that's the best possible spin you can put on. Because if you were just looking at, we got Ben Askren, and what would Ben Askren do by the time we got him? Not much. Because he was he, he's kind of broke down by the time you got your hands on him. And you gave up just pound for pound, one of the greatest fighters that this sport has known. You got Ben Askren, which you were then able to parlay into this fame for Jorge Masvidal after he landed that flag knee knockout on him. Was it worth it? Because you see Demetrius Johnson at this point, you keep waiting thinking, okay, well, sooner or later age is going to catch up to him too. We thought maybe it had. And then you see this performance and you go, Nope, that dude's still real good. And, When we start talking about the possibility of maybe he and Henry Cejudo do it again over there in one, And I go, you know what? Shit, the UFC clearly doesn't appreciate Henry Cejudo either. Not too excited about having him come back either. So why not? Like if if it just turns out that these are the guys where the UFC felt like "Mm, we couldn't do much with them or we couldn't do enough with them to make it worth it to us. If somebody else can, you know what? Somebody else can beat your rock and let them have your chair, Chad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean the the Henry Cejudo idea
1: is super interesting to me, and obviously comes down almost entirely to what his current UFC contract situation is. But it would be a very interesting contract challenge by Henry Cejudo because the UFC, every time it has been brought up that Henry Cejudo could return, has been completely disinterested and has yeah. said he's retired. And yeah. so like. Uh, if now there is a big fight for him somewhere else and he wants to to take it and the UFC is suddenly like, no, you're under contract to us, like, I feel like you could have an interesting legal challenge on your hands if you wanted well, to you do it. Well, you could if
0: your manager wasn't firmly in the UFC's pocket, as That's we all know. True.
1: That's true. If you wanted to do it and you were Henry Cejudo, uh... you know i i don't know that it's totally out of the out of the realm of possibility that the ufc might just let him go because like you said they have seemed completely disinterested in both of these guys when they had the opportunity to have have both of them uh but that's a super interesting idea you know and and uh Adriano Moraes is obviously legit, and you're right. I think that he does look like a bantamweight. I know he's been at least in one making the flyweight limit, whatever that means over there with how they do their weigh-ins for a long time now. But like, that's a big dude. That if you told me he would be a top contender in the UFC uh, at 125 pounds, I would believe you. Like, I think he probably would be. And so, like, it's uh, and and again, it's hard to kind of gauge just because of level of competition and who he's been fighting, and you never really know what the deal is but like it's it's meaningful for Demetrius Johnson to beat him a third fight between those two I think would also be very interesting uh and seems somewhat dangerous for Demetrius Johnson since he was having kind of a hard time with Moreas even in this fight for the first couple rounds came back a bit in the third and fourth and ended up winning by knockout uh there's another contender over there that frankly I don't know that much about uh Kairat Akmatov who is apparently the number one contender in one. But, like, these all seem like legitimate and interesting fights for Demetrius Johnson in one championship, which now has my attention. And so I'm yeah. interested to see how this how this all goes. And I would like to see the Henry Cejudo thing pursued just to see what the deal is, see what's up with that.
0: One way I guess I would phrase this question is – instead of putting blame on anybody, saying anybody made a bad deal or a bad trade, did everybody make the right move for them? In Demetrius Johnson going over there, where maybe he is more appreciated, or maybe they just give him more interesting things to do, and we get a chance to to see more stuff out of him, and he doesn't have to deal with the UFC bullshit about uh, constantly being asked why you don't sell any more pay-per-views, why they don't seem to like you very much, why they keep trying to just use you to... TJ Dillashaw, second belt, shit like that, Yeah, Um, gets to go over there where, like, his coach is awful chummy with the people. Uh, And then the UFC, they got to do some other stuff and and weight classes that they're more interested in and, you know, didn't have to have this conversation with Demetrius Johnson every so often about whether they're just going to get rid of flyweight. Did everybody get what was right for them out of of that whole situation?
1: It kind of seems like that's the case, right? Uh, because Demetrius Johnson was the ultimate if you know you know fighter in the UFC. Yeah. Like he never really did good numbers. He was not a pay per view draw. And yet he was constantly doing amazing shit in the cage over there every time he went out. And in some ways, I wonder, you can tell me what you think about this. Do you think that he was harmed by essentially being first, that he was the first flyweight champion? He was the the bulk of his UFC career happened, not only while the UFC seemed sort of like disinterested in promoting him as the flyweight champion, but also while it seemed like people had not yet come to grips with the idea that flyweight was awesome, and it, it could be that some people still have not come to grips with that. But I feel like today, you know, Brandon Moreno, Davis, and Figueroa, guys like that, I feel like they just get more respect and more attention than Demetrius Johnson ever did. And to me, I'm just sort of like, I wonder if he was kind of unfortunately penalized for essentially being the first great flyweight.
0: You're saying Brandon Moreno and Davy Figgs, if they have seen far, is because they have stood on Demetrius Johnson's shoulders? Yeah, something like that. Therefore, forming one average-sized person. <laughs>
1: That's right, with a big coat.
0: Just a big uh, <laughs> trench coat. Just buying a ticket to an R-rated movie. Yeah.
1: Uh, so it'll be interesting, I think, to see what happens with the 36-year-old Demetrius Johnson. Uh, sure still seems pretty good to me to watch him over there. And uh, in answer specifically to the Corgi King's question that we started off the round uh, reading, I he'll, he should go down as one of the greatest of all time. I, yeah. If not the greatest of all time. Like, there are several... Uh, usual suspects that we talk about every time we talk about who's the greatest MMA fighter of all time and in some ways it's a silly conversation because the sport has not really even been around long enough to have this great historical perspective but like Demetrius Johnson should be right up there in the conversation with the rest of those guys and if you told me that you thought he was the greatest MMA fighter of all time I would not try to argue with you I'd be like okay legitimate legitimate answer yep that's gonna do it for round number two though we'll be right back with round number three Well, Ben, after a lot of hemming and hawing, it goes down this weekend over there in Paris, France, Acor Arena, the granddaddy of them all. The UFC touches down on french soil we were talking earlier about how it's still a little bit ridiculous that we have all these different names for ufc events this one ufc fight night gone versus two also known as ufc fight night 209 also known as ufc on espn plus 67 so while one championship maybe have some ridiculous shit going on with one on prime video one moreas versus johnson two the ufc is not doing much better over here with their multiple names for every event nonetheless Here we have this heavyweight contest in the main event. Cyril Gon, the former interim heavyweight champion, going to take on the chosen one, Ty Anthony Tuivasa, 29 years old, coming into this fight on the heels of five straight wins. And as everybody knows, my somewhat tongue-in-cheek pick late last year to have the UFC heavyweight title wrapped around his waist at the end of 2022. Now, all of a sudden, we're sitting here Tai Tuivasa seems like one win away from a title shot. Tell me I'm crazy.
0: I mean, there's a completely reasonable path ahead for Tai Tuivasa here. If he can win this fight, which he comes into as kind of a heavy underdog. Yeah, believe he's look,
1: plus 400, right?
0: Yeah. Free he,
1: money, man. That's free money.
0: But we are talking heavyweight MMA. And as he said, uh, talking about Cyril Gaon, if I dink him, I sink him. <laughs> just needs to land that one just needs to land that one clean shot and it lights out and then there is totally a possibility that whatever happens with Francis Ngannou by the end of the year whether he walks or he doesn't that his next fight is for either an interim title or just the outright whole thing and as crazy as it is it's a it's a beautiful kind of crazy to see a fellow like Tai Tuivas in there just Swanging and banging and somehow climbing up that ladder. However, this is a tall order for him against Cyril Gahn because, as we saw when Cyril Gahn fought uh, Francis and Ganu, there's a fella who knows how to get his striking game working while also staying kind of out of danger. Yeah. That he knows, like uh, we've complained before about big heavyweights who don't seem to realize how big they are or that they don't have to fight in close. They can choose the range a lot of time, as long as their footwork is good enough. Somebody like Travis Brown, who if, only, if he if he could only have talked himself into believing that all you have to do is stand way out here and basically poke people in the belly with a broomstick where they can't reach you, you could beat a whole lot of these dudes and you just got to stay disciplined with that attack. And Cyril Ghosn really does that. To the point where it can sometimes be a little bit underwhelming to watch his fights because he is so smart and disciplined at doing that. But that does seem like the exact kind of dude that somebody like Tai Tuivasa might struggle with, right?
1: To me, this is a matchup that once again just shows that the UFC hates fun. We got a fun guy (laughs) in Tai Tuivasa. He likes to go out there and brawl, get into these slobber knockers, knocks a guy out, jumps on the cage, drinks a shoey. Goes backstage, tells a lot of stories about how he got blacked out, drunk, and peed in his bed. This is fun. Everybody likes that. And we're going to give him Cyril gone in this fight where Cyril gone's whole shit is going to be like, I will not let Tai Tuivasa have a fun fight. This is going to be me throwing jabs and kicks and staying at distance and keeping myself out of the fire. And that's how I'm going to win this thing by outpointing this guy, uh, probably en route to a unanimous decision and i'm a minus 400 favorite to actually get it done it's just they hate fun man this is like you look around the the heavyweight division like who is the least fun matchup for To tuivasa how do we put him in a fight that will be shitty and then when it's over we've destroyed this guy's momentum oh i know what it is cyril gone let's put him in that fight well, what else are you going to do with him at this point, man. though? He already fun. fought Derek Lewis. Have can't just fight have... a cab driver. I don't care. <laughs> Put him out there with someone who's <laughs> going to have some fun. Try to knock him out.
0: I mean, they could honestly just have he and Derek Lewis keep fighting each other. Yes. There's no some reason some kind to do of... this with
1: Taito ivasa But what they didn't know was that they're running up against the prophecy. And I fully expect <laughs> Cyril Gond to fuck around and find out. And they were going, they're going to have to explain to him in French what has happened after this is over. First round knockout victory for Titan. First Libasa. round? First Righted round?
0: Death. No, I mean, I, I could see maybe uh, four minutes, 50 seconds of round five or whatever. <laughs> when you're just totally confident, you're 9 this guy in every single round. You're, you're, you're making him tie his shoes. You're, you're doing whatever you want in there. And then he dinks you and he sinks you. You just, you, you get too comfortable in there for just one second and he clips one on your chin. But I mean, you look at Tai Tuivasa, the problem with him fulfilling the prophecy and climbing up these rankings, he's sitting at number three right now. The only people ahead of him, Stepe Miosic at number two, Cyril Gond at number one, and then the champ Francis Ngannou. So he kind of got into a situation here where there's not a ton of options for him other than to fight somebody like this like you just you, you kind of had to get here yeah and I I, I see what you're saying that we're, you know we're having a lot of fun with them and everything but it also you're you're going over there to Paris you're trying to put forth a a card that is both seems to rise to the moment of hey, we're in Paris now we're doing this shit isn't this a big deal um, but also is back home just a fight night card. You know, you, you don't want to give them something pay-per-view worthy when we need to save all that shit for pay-per-view. Uh, and this actually fits the bill pretty well because exciting heavyweights, a fight that actually feels like it matters for the immediate future of the heavyweight division. Tai Tweevas also going to roll up in there and uh, say a bunch of crazy shit that's going to make the, the French media say, bleu" and, <laughs> and drop their monocles in their glass of champagne and shit like that. I mean, that's a good time. Yeah, That's a recipe for fun
1: there are eight fighters on the UFC Paris fight card that do not have Wikipedia pages. So that's one of the things that tells you that we're, you know, headed into what is probably kind of a live or a low profile fight night, even though it will maybe be kind of a big deal in terms of like the overall history of French MMA. I don't know what the drinking laws are over there in France, having never been, but just keep the bars open late. That's all I'm saying. Cause the Thai to Vasa victory tour, is going to be rolling out of the acorn Arena. Well, they could be having this event in the middle of the afternoon, for all I know. But, uh, but we're partying after after Ivaso's win.
0: And and what if just just saying what if, not trying to undermine the prophecy or anything. What if it goes the other way? What if he well, doesn't win?
1: Then we're going to get super mad at UFC matchmaking. Okay, and then
0: drown our sorrows.
1: Yeah, do do some shoeies to drown our sorrows.
0: Man, I don't – housekeeping who comes in on Sunday morning to clean up the room after Tai Tuivasa checks out. Just let's let's send a team of hardened veterans in there. Yeah, That's all I'm saying.
1: Hopefully he leaves a stack of 20s on the nightstand. Right? <laughs> all right, let's do uh, just saying stuff, and then we will get out of here for this week, Ben. This week, I'm just saying, I actually feel pretty proud of us, man. Like as a culture, as a subculture. Because I feel like we we all did, from what I saw anyway, a pretty admirable job of ignoring Dana White's terrible video that he put out last Friday. You know, the video about how the media is a bunch of goofs and Dana White is a golden god who is never wrong. <laughs> came out on Friday afternoon, like a couple hours before one championship was supposed to make its debut on Amazon Prime, just in case you were wondering about the timing. But like, I, as far as I know, as near as I can tell, we all did a like we all did the a grown up thing, and just ignored it for the most part. And I was like, God, this might be the first time I can ever remember this happening us actually ignoring some terrible bullshit that we should absolutely just completely ignore. So good job, everybody. I'm just saying, I feel like we did a nice
0: job. Just saying, you feel like we matured enough to get to a yeah. point, or are we just we're just over it.
1: Handshakes and high fives all around to people who didn't go for the Dana White smear campaign video about how awesome he is and how all the goofs said he couldn't do it or whatever. Also, let's just pretend you're a UFC video editor, like you work in the UFC video editing bay, which I assume is like probably in the basement of uh, Zufa LLC headquarters. It's probably like Wednesday, 4.15 in the afternoon. You're starting to think maybe I hit the PBR rock bar later. Mm-hmm. have a couple few soda pops and all of a sudden you hear the elevator ding, slides open and you look down the hall. You see Dana White coming. Do you jump up and go hide in the bathroom till he's gone? <laughs> Cause you know, he's coming with, he has a, a task that is going to keep you there overnight. And he's going to like, we need to put these media goofs in their place, man. Just like, ah, oh, dude, how's it going to hit happy hour?
0: <laughs> he's got a now great I'm, idea. Can't now I'm wait stuck to share here with doing
1: you. this shit. Just saying. Just saying.
0: Well, Chad, I'm just saying. Saw a picture on the internet today of Dominic Reyes training with future UFC middleweight title contender Alex Piera. And, uh, look, I don't want to do the thing. I don't want to do the thing where you look at these two guys standing side by side and you go, Damn, Dom Reyes is a light heavyweight and kind of one of the bigger dudes at light heavyweight. And... Alex looks like the bigger dude of the two of them standing there. I don't know, man. Just size alone. You start thinking about how Israel Adesanya is going to fare against this guy. I mean, he already tried to go up to 205 once. And it didn't go well for him because of the size difference. And I got to deal with this guy who's a great kickboxer and had Windsor in kickboxing. And then it just looks like a physical fucking monster. I don't know. I don't want to do that thing where I'm looking at just a one still photograph of a couple guys standing there after a training session and going and extrapolating from there that the the Israel Asanya title reign might be coming to an end. I don't want to do that. But I'm just saying, it looks like a big boy. Looks kind of scary standing there. Looks like the kind of guy, somebody like Israel Asanya might have problems with. I don't want to do that. But I look at the photograph chat and I go, I don't know. I don't know about this one. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Wow. You know? I don't, don't want to do it.
1: You don't want to do it, but you can't help no. yourself.
0: But did you see the photograph? Alex Pair is a big dude. Just saying.
1: Wow. I mean, there's one thing I know. You, I know you appreciate a still photograph. Yeah. You're a lover mm-hmm. of the art of photography. And I know that a good still photograph really tells a story for you.
0: I'm not saying I'm just saying it's a big boy. Is what you're saying.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that is going to do it for this week's co-main event podcast. Remember everybody will be over at the Patreon page all week. Check us out over there. Patreon.com slash co-main event Wednesday, live chat Thursday, doing the damn thing Friday power hour, get the link, join the discord message board, become part of the community. It's a real community over there. People taking care of each other, having fun, becoming friends. It's really a, it's a success story
0: is what it It is is. absolutely
1: think about it patreon.com slash co-main event for now thanks for listening everybody we are done we are through we
0: are out can i tell you something that might really tip the balance on your decision whether or not to go to great falls cbkfc
1: oh by all means what is it
0: i was just driving through great falls a couple weeks ago with my children and i noticed they have what has to be one of the Adult book and video stores in Great Falls got the three X's in neon on the sign, Chad. The wow. whole thing.
1: Well, that does sound very Great Falls. Mm-hmm. So what do you say?
0: Maybe we uh, get to town a couple hours early. We hit the adult book store. We go check out some bare knuckle fighting and just have a cultured gentleman kind of weekend.
1: Wow. I mean, your love of still photographs could really come in handy. <laughs> I
0: bet they got some VHS tapes. You just blow your mind.